Chapter 1 Poker outside the cafe would be their last game of the year. They played for hours when the dusk still lingered and they could sit outside on the pavement. Ernest Zevon sat with his back to the sun. September was his favourite month and poker was a very nice way to pass the time. He was also a few pounds up. He did not know two of the guys. They were friends of his old buddy, Walter. The two of them had played outside this place for the last couple of decades, and there were other regulars too. Ernest checked his watch. It was long after six. He would have to leave soon, which he was loath to do whenever he was on a winning streak. He wanted to ride the wave as late as possible before heading to the night's venue, a restaurant and bar where he played piano and sang twice a week. When he pulled his coat sleeve back down over his watch and returned his gaze to his cards, he received a tap on the shoulder. There was another tap and the sun was eclipsed by a person standing very close by. Good evening, said a regrettably familiar voice. It belonged to a man he owed a hundred pounds or so. The man stooped low over Ernest's shoulder so that he could discreetly whisper in his ear. How are the cards going? On a bad run as it happens, said Ernest quietly. I should think you will win this hand, not too much trouble. I happen to notice a few other cards. You haven't forgotten. Ernest shook his head. It will take me a little longer if I have to throw this hand away. I can't imagine you would rely on poker to raise a debt. You're smarter than that. Not much of a risk taker. Would it be okay if I took a hundred from the table? Then you can just pop my hundred back out there, can't you? Save you coming to look for me later on. Save you a lot of time. Ernest made no move to stand or object. His mood had turned. He was embarrassed that the others would think him a cheat. The man leaned in, counted out a hundred, nodded to the others, and strode off. And now it was time for Ernest to leave. He would have to forfeit this hand. If he was late again to his piano, the owner would definitely not ask him back. He was on his last warning. He had exhausted his credit in that establishment too. He had only one way to save face. Whispering into Walter's ear, he quietly suggested that his friend stand him the hundred until they next saw each other. Without waiting for an answer, Ernest stood up and walked off without looking back. Whatever else happened, no embarrassment, no shame could stand between Ernest and the piano tonight. Owing Walter was worse than owing the other man, a styleless cocaine dealer. Ernest now recalled his vow never to repay him under any circumstance. That the slippery shit had somehow transferred the debt to Walter was irksome. The simmering anger, the old pain, might just fire him up enough to pull out some of the stops at the old Joanna now. If this was to be his last turn, he would go down fighting. He would open with the rolling stones, the one that sounds like go your own way, somehow rising from there, increasing in volume and tempo and style. He would play the keys off the piano and sing for England, 
A couple of regulars knew what it was likely his last show, a bit of marketing fears that even Ernest was capable of. Last night's shows had a celebratory feel, even if the reason was melancholy. Endings should be celebrated more than beginnings, he had always thought. And so Ernest walked east and north towards the bar which no longer needed him. It had never needed him, of course. That had been an illusion, made all the more crisp by having it called out so plainly by the owner. Yes, he had been kidding himself. Nobody was bigger than the house, least of all the guy who sometimes played piano, nearly always turning up late, if at all. He had not given of his best for over a year, slipping as he did between so many drinks, so many parties, frequently ones he was not invited to, overstayed his welcome at and did not remember. At least he had stayed sober enough for poker. Well now, his number had come up. So long, folks. He was not late tonight. As he walked, Ernest cut a figure of contradictions. He was not old, not by his own estimation. Only just the wrong side of fifty, he had not felt any different for twenty years or more. But certainly at a similar age, his parents would have been considered middle-aged, and just about middle-class. He cast off both labels. Ernest was not big on labels, and the few items of quality clothing he owned were the kind that kept their source hidden on the inside. It was important to have an act, to become someone different for the crowd. It wasn't healthy to be just yourself, contrary to popular advice. Most people who tried to be themselves fell short and got burned. Entertainment and honesty are not the same thing. He was in the entertainment business, and nobody wants to watch someone being normal on a stage. It just wasn't all that interesting. The normals were in the crowd. There was no place for them on a stage, no matter how unknown the venue. Yes, he was losing his hair in patches just here and there, but he'd grown it a little longer to avoid needing a hat. His full-length coat had seen better days. He wore a silk shirt, frequently black or grey, top quality, providing a counterpoint to his old jeans. He was aiming for a West Coast trucker sort of look once he had the coat off. Someone who would enjoy the Eagles, no matter how long ago that was. Jeans and a silk shirt, but no wayfarers. The final touch was the stubble, kept at a regulation density with a cheap electric beard trimmer. Dishevelled, yes, but not homeless. Not quite. Ernest strode through the plate glass doors, shoving the polished brass handle without slowing his pace, and made for the piano. On warmer days like these, he shucked his coat over the back of his chair immediately, but not many weeks from now, he would keep it on for a few songs first. Yes, he arrived just in time to play, because arriving any earlier was inefficient. It seemed to him a stylish thing to do, not an unprofessional one, a trick devised by a permanently late and slack man. Street fighting man was difficult without a drummer, but it suited his mood perfectly. After a few bars... He looked up to see some smiles of recognition. It wasn't a bad start at all. His second was a moment of bar-time perfection. Desperados, under the eaves, 
by his near namesake Warren Zevon. It had a great humming section, which required Ernest to impersonate an air conditioning system for bars on end. It suited any bar at all, and it also suited his mood too. The lone desperado, holding out beyond reason for a hopeless mirage. Halfway through, humming away on autopilot, he saw a woman sitting on a stool at the bar, sipping a martini glass and watching him play intently. She was visibly listening. Her whole body was fixed in place, rigid with concentration. For long seconds, she would close her eyes. Her lips moved, miming his words. She had a dark chestnut bob and vivid red lipstick. She was so slim and even sitting so obviously tall. She wore a trouser suit, black. He wondered if she was concentrating on his music or on her drink. Was she a listener or a drinker? He could find time for both. He watched her for a few seconds until she looked up and she met his gaze for just a moment. Just one and then he looked back down at the keyboard. He had not seen her before. He would have remembered. He played on. The interval came sooner than he expected, and he stood to scattered applause. Perhaps he hadn't put as much into it as he intended. They hadn't realised enough of them that this was his swan song. In his experience, most people went through life profoundly oblivious to the thoughts and feelings of every other bugger going around. He considered himself an artist, a sensitive soul, with his channels routinely open for that sort of input. His job, if he had one, was simply that, at its most fundamental. It was to receive, to watch, to listen, to reflect and think. He could not entertain others without being alive to their mood, their expectations, to be ready with the right song for the right audience. Timing was all, and he knew as he played that the mood ebbed and flowed, rose and fell as the night wore on. They thought less, having drunk more at the end of the night. There was more to it than met the eye, more to it than hitting the right notes. This bar, this crowd, this piano, this chair, he had it all down, and familiarity had made him stale. He sat back down on his stool after the break, martini in hand as a nod to his anonymous admirer. Whatever tardiness and unreliability had brought him to this point, and however much he needed the money to clear his rent arrears and repay Walter, his time here was at an end. When you could read the graffiti in the men's room on the inside of your eyelids, it was time to stop. The thought made him almost sad, for the first time in many months. He would finish with some Roxy, the perfect end to this stage in his career, more than this. There was nothing more, just this, just now, and even this was at an end. He would give half of his miserly fee to his landlord to keep him from the door for the rest of the week, and drink the rest. There is nothing more than this. Ernest finished the final song, graciously received his applause on his feet, and took a single shallow bow. That's my last night here for a while, he said, and strode off to find another martini. He watched the barman mix his drink, slowly and deliberately. He began to drain the glass one sip at a time. That was it. He had given his best shot, and now it was up to the manager. If the damage was already done, 
than it had been done a long time ago back in the heavy dog days when Ernest had been low. An ebb tide that had started in the late spring and itself was now ebbing but had not totally gone out. It would have been easy to blame his many demons, but he did not. Everyone faced adversity, whether self-inflicted or random, or a bit of one and some of the other, and how you dealt with these things was the telling factor, the guide to the man. Now that the moment had come, Ernest realised he had no plan for dealing with the moment of his firing. He felt a strong urge to remain at the venue until he had spoken to the manager. With scattered applause echoing around the room, he would never have a better time or chance to be retained. But who should make the first move? He wasn't going to grovel. Part of him was very happy to be leaving, don't forget. Very happy. The answer was simple. As long as he stayed until the manager left, he just had to give the guy some space, some thinking time. No action needed yet, other than to sip the fresh martini the bartender had just placed before him on a circular paper coaster. It had a frilled edge and had been die-stamped with the name of the place. Nice touch, that. None of your cheap laser-printed shit here. Only the best paper coasters this side of Bond Street. It had a certain style, Ernest had to admit. As he ran his finger round the thing, a bead of sweat, not sweat, of course, but he liked to give his drinks a personality, which included all the obvious bodily functions. As he watched, the bead of sweat broke free and made a dash down the funnel of the glass, paused at the stem and lingered there, waiting for reinforcements before it would plunge down the thin stem to the base. Just at the moment he realised how hard he had been staring at the glass, he became aware of a human presence on the stool next to him. He was being watched. The reprieve had come. The poor manager had realised his error and come bearing a peace offering. Never mind how much he had wanted to break free, all was forgiven. Ernest fixed a smile on his face and looked up, ready to make it easy for the manager. No hard feelings. But now he could see it was not the manager. He found himself grinning insanely into the face of the woman who had been watching him earlier. Hello, she said. Ernest could not respond without further analysis. What was the right response? Hello, he said. Nice show, she said. He nodded and held up his glass. Thank you. What was all that about being your last? Time for a change. Surplus to requirements. Got a better offer? He paused. Was he still in character? Or was he himself? If it was hard being yourself, it was hard not to be on a consistent basis. The mask could slip at any point. Not really a better offer, just wanted something new. Do you know what it is? Not knowing is the best thing about it. Would you like another drink? She smiled and nodded. He hoped the manager was watching, at least on his beady eye security cameras if not from behind a pillar somewhere. Same again, please, she said to both Ernest and the bartender at the same time, so Ernest still did not know what that would be. I'm looking for a regular slot myself, she said after a pause. Maybe I'll have a chat with the manager. Suddenly this woman had become a threat at just the wrong moment. Whatever else happened, he had to stop her finding the manager tonight. Be my guest, he spluttered. What do you play, by the way? Instrument, style, whatever. Saxophone mainly, keys a bit, 
can't really sing lead, but I can hide inside a melody. It didn't sound like much of an offer to Ernest, but he was partial to sax. She wouldn't be able to do anything solo. She couldn't be a threat. Maybe he could introduce her to the manager, just so he could see what rubbish there was out there. Finding someone who could command a crowd, this crowd, was hard. What sort of music, he asked. Anything they want. Anything along your lines earlier, if that's what they want. Half of them don't know what they want, and they only like what they already know. She smiled as the drinks arrived. Ernest had forgotten to check out her ingredients. Gin, vodka, yes, but what else? We give the people what they want, not what we would wish them to have, she said. If we just played what we wanted, it wouldn't be work. She spoke with a clear, crisp voice, firm and confident. She gulped at her drink a little. Where was her mask now? On or off? Perhaps in her clutch bag ready for the right moment. I could introduce you to the manager, if you wanted, he said. There's a vacancy. The woman shook her head abruptly, eyes closed. You know my name, he said. What's yours? Georgia, she blurted out. With a J. Georgia with a J. Georgia with a J, he repeated. Look, I can't hold up a show on my own. Not into solo shit, it's too hard. Look at you. Whatever could she mean by that? She gabbled on. I mean, it's not easy. You held the crowd for two hours. Shut them up. That's the most you can expect when they're not paying to see you, just paying for food and drink. I'm speaking the truth and I think you can see that. I mean it. You did a great job. It's hard doing the same thing week in, week out. I've been there, honestly. I have. I've done that, thank you. And never on my own. Not man enough for that, no thank you. He found himself bringing a hand down to touch George's forearm. She needed steadying and the drink wasn't doing it. He had the sudden feeling that this woman was important somehow, not just in her own sphere, but within his. Behind all this nonsense was something crucial, something he had to unmask. I enjoyed it once. Look, I'd get you another drink, but I don't think it's working. He doesn't think it's working. What does that even mean? I like the taste. And now that she was angry, he felt like laughing. He would have rolled his eyes if it hadn't got him in trouble before. It was a calculated anger, not a violent mood. I've changed my mind. He indicated to the bartender two more of the same, whatever they were. Well, thanks. Anyway, all I wanted to say was one thing. I just wanted to say that if you really did want to continue, that maybe a duet would be the thing. I'm a bloody good sax player and I can harmonise with your voice. I practised, singing along, just to be sure. It'll work. You'll make more than double the money from the tips. That's what they tell me. A girl on the stage is worth more than double the money. I don't know about it, but I've seen it happen. We change some tunes, redo some others, do a bit of practice, and you won't look back. There you are. I've said what I came here to say, and now I'm going. Straight after this drink. The drinks arrived. Georgia gulped at hers. There was only one thing certain, and it was that Ernest Zevon worked alone. He was a lone wolf. He had burned before, especially he very much regretted to admit by women. Yes, women did change the dynamic on stage, but also off it, and never for the better. He felt that about men too, but not quite as much. I work alone, he said at last, believing this conveyed the full sense of what he was thinking. Well, I'm not here to sell myself, she said. 
I could be just what you needed if you think about it. Fresh start without changing venue, same old scene, different faces. That's all, that's all I will say. Thanks for the drinks, and good luck. She draped her suit jacket over her shoulders and walked out. He didn't turn to stop her. On her little paper coaster was a telephone number. A London telephone number.